1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Our expert from REMAX Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Now, the Toronto Real Estate Board says last month's home prices fell almost 18%. The board says the average selling price for February totaled just under $1.1 million, compared with over $1.3 million a year ago. Treb attributed the swing in pricing to higher borrowing costs, which have pushed some buyers to purchase a lower-priced home. Overall, sales remain far lower than they were a year ago. When the market was soaring, buyers dropped conditions and feisty bidding wars were the norm. February sales totaled 4783 down 47% from a year earlier and new listings were down 41 percent. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press, Toronto. Okay, Asif, your turn. What's your take on the numbers? Well, the numbers certainly are down. I mean, we're, we're facing similar numbers to what we saw uh, for January. We're down about 50 percent in sales. The listings are starting to creep up, but we still only have two months of inventory. And I know we keep harping on this week after week, but we don't have a lot of inventory. And, and that going to keep prices a little bit higher than maybe where they should be for a market like this. But what we also have to take a look at is the shift in the mix. Detached homes, which were the go-to because people were getting larger homes when the interest rates were lower, that's what's not selling. So if those are down 46%, you're starting to see that effect on average price. And as people shift their expectations lower because of what they can afford and their affordability goes to maybe a smaller detached or a semi-detached or a condo even, you're starting to see the higher price ticket items come out of the market and that's what's decreasing that average price. So it's not that every home has fallen two or $300,000 off of uh, what they sold for last year. What you're seeing is the average price decline is mainly because there's a shift in the mix. So take us through some of the specifics here in York Region. So York Region, I mean, we've started to really, like Markham, Richmond Hill, they've started to sell now, and and we're starting to see those numbers. But the only market that's under a million dollars in terms of average price for York Region is Georgina. Everyone else is, you know, around the 1.2 range. King is obviously over $2 million. But every other market in York Region is between the 1.2 and 1.3 range for average price. So, you know, the average price has certainly bounced back. Uh, Markham is bouncing back, and, and Vaughn, they're leading in number of sales or unit sales. Vaughn had 254 sales last month, Markham had 218. Now, a lot of these are condos as well because of the affordability factor. Vaughn and Markham have a lot of condos, and, and that's why they're leading that charge. Uh, but, you know, when you look at average prices and, and you're comparing it, uh, if you want to compare apples to apples, then you're, you're comparing it to Durham region, which the aggregate average price is about $900,000. So uh, you're starting to see York region at $1.3 million start to get back to where it used to be. And we're going to start 
seeing more and more of this type of trend as we move into uh, deeper into 2023 and, and even into 2024 as people get used to the, the rate change and the new normal and start to come off the fence and the consumer confidence continues to build as we move through the year, we're going to start to see more and more of this. You mentioned the average price in 905, about 1.3. How does that compare to last year? So last year in January and February, the average price was high because everything was bidding wars, multiple offers, and then it started to level off a bit. But we still finished last year up 8.6%. So right now we're starting off a little bit lower because we're comparing to two of the hottest months ever. And as we start moving through March, April, May, June, where the average price was starting to decrease, you're going to start to see the average price this year increase. So we'll still end up, I think, about 5 to 6%. Uh, on the positive side at the end of 2023. And uh, that's not going to be good news for uh, a lot of people listening. And they're, and they're going to want to say that we're still going to be in a shortfall. But when, when, you're, when you start comparing the numbers to what we had from March until December, we're going to be surpassing those. And that average price that we're talking about is for a detached. What about for a semi, a townhouse, a condo? What is the average price in 905? So the, the total average price, Tina, was 1.302. So it's a little bit less than just the detached homes, but that shows you the strength of the townhomes and the semis and what they're coming in at. So if the price is only falling about $50,000 on average uh, compared to what the detached is selling at at 1357 you know the semis and the towns are still holding uh, true at about 1.1, 1 1.2, 1 1.3 million, and that's keeping the uh, average price up over 1.3 for the region for all properties. Now, also according to this report, the Toronto Real Estate Board called 2023 a year of two halves. What exactly does that mean? How do you explain that to us? So year two halves, it means that, uh, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a phase-in period at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year the momentum and the pent-up demand is going to blow the doors off the market and and this is what we've been talking about over the last four or five months that after people get used to the market conditions and they know that they're not going to change drastically one way or another that's going to give them enough confidence to get off the fence and start buying or start selling and, you know, we, again, we've seen these in previous downturns where you have to give things a few weeks or a few months for people to digest them and, and know what it's all about and get that confidence back because people are human. They get scared. They get worried. And they want to know how all of these changes are going to affect them personally. So they're going to go back to their lenders. They're going to go back to their mortgage brokers. They're going to see exactly what they can afford redo all of their qualifications and their financing and then get back on the market and or back into the market and uh, go out and buy or sell. And that's exactly what we're going to see over the next few months. People, we've already seen it uh, mm-hmm. over the last month and a half where people have been coming off the fence. People that said, I'm going to wait until I know what's going on here. They're the ones that are now coming off the fence. And now you're starting to see that confidence come back. You're starting to see 
a bit of you know people coming out there with peace of mind that okay maybe we've had the worst of the interest rate hikes and even if it goes up a quarter point it's okay because it's going up a quarter point from what it is right now they're not comparing it back to what the the numbers were a year and a half ago or a year ago so if interest rates go up a quarter point from here on in it's not as big of a, a difference as it was a year ago when interest rates went up 2% so the confidence is coming back. There's some peace of mind, and that's going to fuel the second half of this year. So let me reflect a little bit and interpret what you're telling us. This is how I understood it, and tell me if I've got it right. So you're telling me that people maybe right now are pulling back a little bit. They're worried about possible higher borrowing costs. But what you anticipate, what you see happening, perhaps in the second half of the year, is an increase in sales activity, heightened competition perhaps, and maybe some you know upward pressure on home prices. Is that right? That's exactly right. And, you know, it's not going to be upward pressure that we saw back in 2021. Okay. So where, you know, the upward pressure was uh, because, again, we had pretty much zero inventory. Uh, the upward pressure was pushing prices 18, 19, 20, 22% higher than where they should have been. Now you're, you're starting to see that controlled growth, right? You're starting to see optimism fuel growth. But it's not going to be 18 or 19 percent above asking. What you're going to see is maybe four or five or six percent over, and that is pretty healthy. You want to make sure that is under 10 percent because that's always been a healthy increase. Once you start getting into double-digit increases, it's not sustainable, it's not healthy, and it's going to cause a lot of panic in the market. And we shouldn't panic right now. No, I think the worst is behind us. Uh, There's a lot of people that will say, oh, no, the worst is still to come Mm -hmm. because once once people start to requalify for mortgages and things like that, it will uh, be detrimental. But what percentage of them are going to be requalifying? And, you know, they say there's almost... 45 or 50 percent of people in Canada that don't even have mortgages. So they don't even care what rates are doing. The people that are uh, qualifying right now, they're good for the next four years, five years. It's going to be that group that qualified in maybe 2000, 2000, sorry, 2020, 2021, that may be coming up for renewals. So they're the ones that uh, may also have a lot more equity in their house now. So again, when you're refinancing, there's going to be a, a lot of considerations as to what type of amortization you take, what type of mortgage you take. Maybe you take a, a one-year mortgage and see if the rates fall a little bit before you decide that uh, you're going to go with uh, uh, maybe a five-year term sometime down the road. The most important thing is to talk to your financial person and make sure that they're, you're getting the right advice for the right product at the right time that's going to get you through that. And we'll have expert advice after the break. So coming up, the difference between private and traditional lenders. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, 
Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties with today's guest. Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us is Antoinette Leung, the head of financial institutions and mortgage brokerage conduct at the Financial Services Regulatory Authority of Ontario, the FSRA. Antoinette, please tell our listeners a little bit more about the FSRA. Sure. Thank you for having me on the show. FSRA is a consumer protection agency, so we regulate financial services firms like mortgage brokerages, credit unions, and financial planners. Uh, For myself, I specialize in the area of mortgage brokerage um, and brokers and agents regulation. Uh, What we want to do is to make sure that mortgage brokers are treating consumers fairly and putting their interests top of mind because buying a home and getting a mortgage are the most important financial decisions for most of us. So what this means is that we expect mortgage brokers to recommend mortgages to consumers that are suitable to their specific needs. And what can you tell us about your most recent poll that Ontarians are expected, more Ontarians actually, are expected to get into private mortgages? Can you share some of those findings with us? Yeah, absolutely. I think the two most um, notable findings uh, for us is one, consumers don't always understand how private mortgages are different from traditional mortgages. And the second um, thing that we noted was the reasons why people get into private mortgages. Um, So on the first point about consumers' understanding of what private mortgages are, um, we noted that 54% of our respondents thought that mortgage payments uh, go towards both interest and principal payment, when in fact many mortgage payments for private mortgages only go towards interest. So it is really important for consumers to ask about the features and the restrictions uh, when they get into private mortgages uh, because they are different than traditional mortgages. Um, The the most important thing we'd like to remind consumers is if you don't understand, ask. Uh, There is no such thing as silly questions. Um, The second thing, as I mentioned, is the reason why consumers get into private mortgages. Uh, The most popular reasons that our poll show was flexible terms and easier application process. Uh, But consumers should keep in mind that just because there's more flexibility, generally it means it comes with higher costs and sometimes more restrictions. Uh, So, for example, private mortgages most of the time are short-term financing. And you may not be able to renew or you can only renew at a, at a fee. Uh, so oftentimes, uh, consumers are not aware of that. Uh, so what we really encourage consumers to do is uh, if they need to rely on a private mortgage, have a plan, uh, what we call an exit plan. Uh, it is something uh, that uh, consumers should follow so that they can get their finances back in order and they can exit back into a traditional mortgage, uh, which is generally less costly. And would one of the benefits be that most private lenders don't have to go through the stress test for qualifying, or are there other benefits as to why people would consider this an easier process? Uh, yes, that that is one of the reasons. The others is they're generally more flexible terms. Um, so, for example, consumers who have inconsistent income, um, or they may be you know uh, self-employed. Uh, many of those consumers uh, may not qualify for traditional mortgages. So they often find that going to private uh, lenders is a good option for them. Um, the, the other thing that we do notice is that 
these are shorter-term loans that can help uh, a lot of uh, individuals who need to get their finances in order. Uh, that is what, something that's available. Uh, as, as I said, more flexibility generally comes with higher costs and, and more restrictions. So consumers should definitely ask about the features and the restrictions, uh, especially if, uh, if the broker recommends this to them. Uh, never be afraid to ask your brokers, why this is suitable for me or what other options have you considered? And are there benefits in regards to breaking a mortgage or an exit strategy as well? So I, so an exit strategy is the most important from our perspective when a borrower gets into uh, private mortgages. Uh, what we've noticed is because of the higher cost and the potential of not being able to renew a mortgage or, you know, a high renewal fee, uh, oftentimes this is not something that any con- many consumers can sustain over multiple terms. So an exit strategy from our perspective is the most important thing. Uh, talk to your financial advisor, share with your mortgage broker, um, what's your plan in getting, uh, getting out of you know, private mortgages and back into traditional mortgages. Uh, you, you question about, you know, breaking a mortgage are the benefits. So obviously there are, this is very specific to individual situations. Um, I would encourage um, uh, consumers, if your brokers are suggesting to you to break a mortgage, uh, to replace it with something new, um, ask them questions, hold them accountable, ask them why you suggest this strategy to me. How is it benefit me? How is it fit for my specific situation? Um, and I, I think those would be really important for consumers to keep in mind. Antoinette, sometimes we hear about private lenders wanting to charge fees up front uh, as a lender fee or a broker fee. Is there a cap on these fees or is it basically what the private lender wants to charge? There is no cap in legislation. Uh, as I said, uh, because uh, Private mortgages have very flexible terms. They are generally not standardized, so it is really up to uh, the lenders uh, to consider what fee is appropriate. Uh, Now, our mortgage brokers do have an obligation to let consumers know the cost of a mortgage, and that would include uh, these type of fees, like lender's fees or commission to a broker. So um, ask that question. Make sure you understand fully get it in writing. I think, I think that would be something that we would definitely encourage consumers to do. Are there more risks when turning to a private lender and how do consumers know who to trust? So I would not say that private mortgage in and of itself is more risk, especially if that particular mortgage is suitable to a particular consumer based on their needs and circumstances. The risk is when somebody is being recommended a private mortgage and it is not suitable for them. And there is also a risk that consumers may not understand the uh, different uh, features and restrictions. Um, so we, we do encourage, as I said, you know, ask the questions. One of the things that we are working towards is uh, developing additional guidance for the sector on how to make sure that the mortgage that they are recommending to consumers are suitable. We plan to lay out steps that mortgage brokers should do when they are recommending a mortgage. Uh, this will definitely reduce the risk to clients of getting a, an unsuitable mortgage. 
in terms of how consumers know who to trust, I think the first thing is make sure that you are dealing with a mortgage broker that are properly licensed with FSRA. FSRA. Um, only brokers and level two agents can arrange private mortgages. So take a few minutes, go to our website, www.fsrao.ca, uh, check if they are properly licensed. A good broker will get to know you. They want to understand, you know, what's your family situation, what's your income, how long you plan to stay in your home. Uh, they will oftentimes consider different options before they make a recommendation to you. Uh, so if a broker or agent just push you into a specific lender, that would be a red flag. Um, ask, ask questions of your broker so that you, you know are they, you, can, you can get a sense, are they knowledgeable? Uh, are they truly getting to know you to make the best recommendation that is based on your specific situation? Um, so, you know, get to know your broker. Ask them questions. That, that will be the best thing you can do when you're dealing with, uh, with a broker and getting a mortgage. And answer that as we close out. What would be the number one takeaway for consumers from this poll? The number one takeaway is private mortgages are different than uh, traditional mortgage. So make sure you understand uh, the features and the restrictions. And, and the second thing that I can't stress enough is when you work with a mortgage broker, ask them why they recommend a private mortgage and what else have they considered. Internet, thanks so much for joining us. And if people want to read more about this poll or the findings, where can they find that? It will be on our website, www.ssrao.ca. Thank you so much for your time and for the great information. Thank you. When we come back, your real estate questions. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market. Time now for your questions for Asif Khan. And we begin with Beth in Markham. She is noticing a few homes for sale in her neighborhood, but those that are on the market go quickly. Should she list now before the market is flooded with more homes for sale? Asif, what do you think? And, and the answer to that is yes. And we always recommend to sellers, if they want the most bang for their dollar, they want to get on when there's less competition. So right now you don't have that competition, but after March break and you know after Easter, you're going to start to see more and more people have their homes ready to hit the market. And that's when you're going to get into competition. And basically with six or seven or eight or 10 different models in each subdivision, if you have three or four of the same model up for sale, the distinguishing factor is going to come down to price. So you want to get on the market before all of your neighbors do, just so that you're the only game in town and there's less competition and you're able to dictate the terms of whatever offers that are going to be coming in because once there's competition and there's more listings, now you're trying to, uh, it's more of a, a, a selective environment for a buyer where they can pick and choose what house they want to offer on and how much they want to offer. The other point that Beth is making here, Asif, is that homes are going quickly. Are you finding that's the case with your offices and your clients as well? 
It certainly is, and it's reminiscent of uh, you know a slowdown period that we had a few years ago in 2018. We started to see people coming out of that, and and homes were getting scooped up a lot quicker than they were at the end of 2017 or so. And the reason is there was a lot of pent-up demand. Whenever there's changes in the market, people will sit back and they'll start to say, I'm going to wait and see how this plays out. Well, now we're going into six, seven, eight months of the slowdown, and people are saying, okay, I'm tired of waiting, I need to buy a house, and we know that rates are going to be around here for a long time, so I'm going to purchase now. And that's what you're seeing is the homes that are coming on the market, and they're presentable, and they're priced right, they're selling pretty quick. And what about those clients of yours that are looking to buy? Do they have a lot of options? I guess not. They, they do have options okay. because it, we're sitting at about two months of inventory right mm-hmm. now. And at this time, a year ago, we had about a half a month of inventory. So they do have more options than they did a year ago. And, and that's what's making them come off of that fence because there, there is more time to make that decision. There's more to see. Or as before, people were buying sight unseen or they were having a 15-minute appointment for a house and making that decision to go in over asking without an inspection, without conditions. But right now you have time to do your due diligence, get a home inspection done, get your financing clause in, and be able to purchase with more peace of mind. Our next question comes from Tyra in King. How does she begin her search for a condo in Markham? What is the average price of a one-bedroom newish condo? And what is the average cost of maintenance fees? It sounds like she wants to cover all her bases. Yeah, and that's a, it, it's a, it, those are very specific questions, and they're going to vary from building to building, community to community. Uh, but if you're just taking, say, a downtown Markham uh, approach to it, you're going to probably spend about $550,000 to $600,000 or so in that range, depending on the size, uh, depending, does it have a parking spot, does it not have a parking spot. So there's so many factors to consider when you're talking about an average price. But as a rough guideline, five fifty to 600000 is probably where you want to focus. And then the cost of maintenance in around York region, you're probably looking at about $0.50 cents a square foot to $0.60 cents a square foot. It's much higher downtown, but uh, in and around York region, you're going to be roughly in that uh, price point range. But then, again, it depends on what amenities are available in the building. Is there a swimming pool? That's, that usually eats up a lot of the maintenance fees. Is there 24-hour security? That adds a lot to it. Uh, there's so many factors that go into uh with the cost of maintenance, uh, depending on amenities, depending on how how many repairs the building needs to do, uh, are they repaving, are they getting new elevators? So it, it really is very specific, and we can drill down to different buildings in different areas for you once we have some more information. And what about in terms of vin- inventory for the condo market? Is there greater inventory for condos as opposed to single-family homes? Condos are pretty tight right now, and the reason is uh, everyone's affordability was knocked down a notch with the interest rates rising. And the condos were where first-time home buyers turned to, or even people that were downsizing, they turned to condos. So although we did have a glut of inventory earlier on during the pandemic times for condos, all of that inventory is being scooped up. We really don't have a lot of inventory, and some of the inventory in condos that's sitting around are people that were trying to get way too much for their condo. But um, it, uh, 
especially in downtown market and stuff. It's getting scooped up now with York University pretty much complete, uh, or you know, it'll be complete in about a year. Uh, you're starting to have absorption uh, with that inventory. So we don't have a lot, but there is still some inventory. So if it is limited inventory in the condo market, do you think that Tyra maybe has to expand her restrictions a little bit in terms of, well, she wanted a newish one-bedroom condo in Markham. Do you think that maybe she has to look beyond the Markham border then? Markham has a lot of uh, different areas where we do have condos available. So you, you've got, uh, you know, up Markham Road and, you know, 16th Avenue, 48 area. You've got uh, the Bayview and Highway 7 area. You've got downtown Markham, uh, even downtown Markham. If you go just uh, west of Warden, you've got a whole new set of buildings that are coming up there and have been built in the, in the recent uh, past. So there's there's a lot that you can focus on in Markham. I would try to go out and see as many of these buildings as possible. See where you feel the most comfortable in and see what type of units you like because each building obviously has different layouts. Uh, but there's there's a lot of selection within Markham. But if you felt that you wanted to expand out, you can always look at Stouffville. They have a lot of buildings coming up. You can look at Richmond Hill. So in the surrounding area, there's a, a good chance that you'll find what you're looking for. As a reminder, if you have questions for On the Market, hit send anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? They can get me on my cell at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.